Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm Zenobia Bailey, your host, and as always, I welcome you, and I thank you for joining me. The question on the table today is, where do we learn to flourish and be fruitful? Susan Hunt says, We flourish in the house of the Lord. Have you ever really pondered what it means to be planted in the house of the Lord? It will leave you awestruck. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says, the eternal God is your dwelling place, are the everlasting arms. Lord, you have been Our dwelling place in all generations, it continues in Psalm. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Lord's redeemed ones live in his presence. We are never homeless. He is our home. Paul develops this when he writes, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. John Stott explains that the relationship in mind is a vital, organic union which makes possible the sharing of a common life. Perhaps, then, we should paraphrase the preposition in, living in, rooting or drawing its life from. Stott continues to explain that in other places, Paul refers to the church in a particular place. For example, in Corinth, when the preposition in has a different nuance, since the church is in God as the source from which its life comes, whereas it is in the world only as the sphere in which it lives. Nevertheless, It is still correct to say that every church has two homes, two environments, two habitats. It lives in God, and it lives in the world. One way we live out this transcendent truth is to live in community with others who are nestled in God's heart, our local church. A tree cannot plant itself. God sovereignly places us in the plot of dirt, the place on the planet, and the time in history where he intends for us to flourish. Those who are declared righteous by grace are strategically planted in God's family, the church, and nurtured by his word and spirit, so they gradually become righteous in character and conduct. The older I get, the more I am wonderstruck 
at the very idea of the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of God. The church is the people of God in all times and places, those chosen in Christ in eternity past and who are being redeemed, justified, adopted, and sanctified in him. The church is all those who live in his The church is a community of those who are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit, so they have the power to make Jesus known. The church is the people who have been entrusted with the living word of the living God. Praise the blessed triune God that I am a living stone in this living temple, and so are you if you trust him alone for your salvation. The righteous woman loves the church universal and the church triumphant, and she loves the local church where God plants her at any given time. Sometimes a church is hard to love. The question is not, is your church perfect, but rather, what is your perspective of your church? Do you love her because Jesus loves her? Do you serve her because she is the body of Christ? As we age, the way we serve our church is usually the way we served in years. When our roles and responsibilities change, will we, will we be resentful of younger women who replace us? Will we criticize changes they make? Or we, will we be sap, the blood of the tree, that carries nutrients and energy to these buds as they are forming? Will we recognize that less mobility and energy actually frees us to spend more time praying? Will we rest in the assurance that we may not see the fruit of our prayers, but God will answer them in his time and in his way? Shortly after the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, some Eastern Bloc countries allowed missionaries in. An American pastor attended a church service in Ukraine and wrote in his church newsletter. How miserable when they allowed the older women to continue worshiping together. It was they who were considered no threat to the new order, but it was they whose prayers and faithfulness over all those barren years held the church together and raised up a generation of men and young people to serve the Lord. Yes, the church we attended was crowded with these older women at the very front, for they had been the stalwart defenders and maintainers of Christ's gospel. But behind them, and alongside, alongside them, and in the balcony and outside the windows were the fruit of their faithfulness. Men, women, young people, and children. We must never underestimate the place and power for godly women. To them go the laurels in church in Ukraine. By contract, another pastor wrote a series on dangerous cliques in Western church, such as the good old boy club and the charter member club. The one that caught my attention was the Dominating Old Ladies Club, or the DOLC. These excerpts from his article on the DOLC are sobering. He writes, 
This clique is made up of older women who like to think of themselves as the matriarchs of the church. However, they lack any real submissiveness towards those in leadership. If you notice, they get their way and will do what it takes to bring it about. Men tend to fear this group. The DOLC makes sure that the younger women are not involved in any women's ministries or other ministries for that matter when it might challenge the DOLC's control and power. Before you start naming the names of women you think match this description, let me share my friend's humble response to this article. He writes, Bust it. Lord, deliver me from being in the DOLC and from the club that criticizes them. Lord, have, I don't know either of these pastors, but I know both groups of women because they both live in the heart. And when I let the DOLC loose, it is always destructive to others and to me. God gave first man and woman a cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply. God equal but different imagers had a monumental mission to fill the world with other image bearers who would reflect the glory of the Creator. Instead, listen to the destroyer. But God did not destroy them. He promised an offspring of the woman who would defeat the destroyer. In response to this promise of life, Adam called his wife's name Eve. She was the mother of all living things. Eve sounds like the Hebrew word for life giver. Because of sin, the woman became a life taker. Because of the gospel of grace, she was declared to be life giver. God's redeemed daughters have the potential to be fruitful life givers, not just biologically, but spiritually, because the life of Christ is in us, becoming a life giver in our relationships and circumstances is a process of dying to self, so we decrease and Jesus increases and his life flows from us to bless others. This process does not get easier as we age. The temptations may change, but our need remains the same. When we nurse our children and grandchildren feel guilty for not or brood over unmet expectations or hold grudges for decades, roots of bitterness and unforgiveness grow and we become life takers. Hebrew says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Perhaps you have heard an older woman say, I've earned the right to say what I want to say, and what follows usually hurts those around her. Hear what James has to say. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and very well practice. 
But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of roots, impartial, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The words flourishing and fruitful are very similar. The Hebrew word for flourishing is pepek, which means to bud, sprout, or blossom. The word fruitful is park, which means be bearing fruit, flourishing, or increasing. The combinations of which and clear picture of God's plan for his righteous ones in every season and circumstance of life. The life giver pulsates with the idea of flourishing and fulfill. One of the inserts says, life takers leave a legacy that defiles many. Life givers leave a legacy that blesses me as they bear fruit, in keeping with repentance. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This gospel wonder is possible because A righteous woman can therefore declare the following with her heart and lips. He will be true to every promise. He is perfect in his faithfulness. There is credibility in an older woman's declaration that he never left her, even in her darkest places and times. He is rock, Hannah declared. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none such you. There is none like our God. The house built on the rock is not destroyed by floods and winds. There is something profoundly persuasive about a woman weak and withered by age singing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus does. And righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but holy on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock and all other ground, sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. There is no unrighteousness in him. It was even a hint of unrighteousness in Christ. He could not be our righteousness. This is a declaration of confidence, not self-confidence, but Christ's confidence. We declare that he is our dwelling place, and we are clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. When my husband was a church planter, Our church met for several years in a store building. There were no older people in our congregation until Mrs. Johnston came. This raised woman loved Jesus, and he loved us. She moved to a living facility and was not able to 
attend church, I cherished my visits with this life-giving spiritual mother. One day she told me about a television preacher she enjoyed watching. Then she surprised me when she said, but I never watched them on Sunday morning because when our church is worshiping, I join you and pray for all of you. Mrs. Johnston knew and the transcendent wonder of the church triumphant and the nearness of being a part of a local covenant community. And she joined her heart to ours in the joy of worship. Sometimes I took my Sunday school class to visit her. The children loved singing and reciting Bible verses for her, and she loved them big from her hospital bed in a small room. One Sunday, our lesson was on joy. I asked the children, what is joy? They all agreed. They had seen the joy that radiates from a worshiping heart. Mrs. Johnston lived in God's presence in relationship with him. Her life and lips declared the power and beauty of his grace. She thought, prayed, and loved biblically. She grew in the grace and knowledge of Jesus until the end, which was really the beginning. And as we end, I'd like to read another quote from Susan Hunt. As life slows down, we can become controlling and critical or we can reflect on God's sovereign, sovereign that chose and planted a house. The more we live in the light of the reality of his presence, the more we flourish as his spirit fills us with sap to nurture and encourage others to flourish. Well, folks, I want to be filled with his sap so that I can flourish and bear fruit. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. Until our next reading, take care. <laughs>